0: This is the Decibel Geek Podcast, with Aaron Camaro and Chris Simzak.
1: Snap out of it!
0: I'm going to go to 51! Read, for lack of a better word, is good.
2: All right, folks, welcome back to another exciting edition of the Decibel Geek Podcast. I am Aaron Camaro. Joining me in the broadcast booth, as always, my good friend Chris Zinzak. How's it going? It's going pretty good. How are you doing?
1: Doing good. Uh, it's been a, been a busy last couple of weeks for us.
2: Yeah, it has, but it's been a lot of fun, too. And you got your voice
1: back. I feel new and improved. Puberty is over. <laughs> <laughs> I got three of them now. I'll show oh, you later. Awesome. <laughs> <laughs> well, as you probably noticed from the intro clip today, uh, we are going to go back in time again, but we've got a few new uh, things to take care of before we hit the flux capacitor.
2: Man, I got to say, you did a half- of a job with that Ricky Rackman interview oh, last thanks, week, man. man. That was pretty cool.
1: Yeah, we had a lot of good feedback on that, and uh, Ricky retweeted it. And was nice enough, and uh, I also um, tweeted Fred Corey about the cupcake incident and mentioned that it was that was on there, and he retweeted that. So nice. So Fred Corey Cinderella, thank you for spreading the word. And uh, yeah, numbers have been way up for the last couple episodes. So yeah, we appreciate all of you that are new to the show, all those regular listeners, and uh, you've been great to us. And, and Ricky and, Rackman,
2: thanks for turning me
1: on to the old Chico stick. Those yeah. things are pretty tasty. I never had one before in my life. The ultimate unpaid spokesman nice. <laughs> for a product. Um, we'll go ahead and get Geek of the Week out of the way. Geek of the Week this week is a guy named Jimmy Betterton. Can't find a Betterton. No. <laughs> but, uh, well, we he, found one. He's the Geek of the Week. We did. Yeah. He just joined the, uh, the Facebook dot com slash decimal geek page recently and i uh, had a nice comment about the uh, ricky rackman episode said you guys are killing it love the show yes we are so uh, appreciate that jimmy uh, enjoy your monopoly money it's on its way and the prestige of being geek of the week and then the honor and the glory Yes. Let's not oversell it. (laughs) (laughs) There's no money. Um, But there's plenty of glory. That's right. If you're listening to us on Friday night, it's about 7 o'clock Eastern on MaximumThreshold.net. Welcome to the show. Love the the, uh, Maximum Threshold, guys. Thanks for coming on. And uh, subscribe to us on iTunes. That way you never miss an episode. You can listen to back episodes also. Hear a new one whenever it comes out.
2: Yeah, we're up to, what, 40-something now, huh?
1: Yeah, this is uh, 46, I think.
2: I was talking to a guy the other day. He was like, oh, man, I really need to check out your show. And I was like, well, you know, there's 40-something to choose from. Just go back and hit the archives. It's on iTunes. It's free. So, you know, got to warn you, once you listen to one, you're going to be hooked and go back and listen to the rest. And And
1: I was right. He did. And we started doing the weekly thing. Back in January, and we've we've held true to it all year. We're I'm pretty proud of that. So we're do, for a couple of slackers, we're doing good. Yeah, not bad. A um, couple other thing. One last thing. Um, Dick Wagner, friend of the show, who uh, ex Alice Cooper guitar player among many other things. Um, his uh, the hardcover version of his book, Not Only Women Bleed, is now available, and. Uh, Dick's lovely assistant, Susie, was nice enough to send me and Aaron both copies of the book. So i very awesome. appreciative of that. So
2: you guys are lucky to have a show tonight because I really want to be going and reading this thing right now.
1: Yeah, and uh, if you want to get a copy of that book, go to notonlywomenbleed.com and also... There's a. They took the audio from our conversation with Dick and they made it into like this enhanced video slideshow, video clip presentation thing from a YouTube video.
2: It's pretty awesome. It's I'm kind of. I'm really flattered by that. I
1: am too. So thank you, Dick, for doing that and uh, check that out at not notonlywomenbleed.com.
2: Don't forget this book comes with audio CDs. You yeah. Know, with some good music on there too, so you're not just getting the book. You're getting some music to go along with it as well. And don't forget our interview with Dick Wagner back in the archives. Yep. Go check it out anytime you want it for free.
1: That book is definitely worth your money for sure. Um, guess we need to get on with the uh, back in time thing, don't we?
2: Yeah, we need to fire up the DeLorean, get the flux capacitor all set up, and get your Casio keyboards ready. We're going back to 1987. <laughs> Now, in the process of doing my homework for this one, Chris, I've come to find out, you know, and, you know, I was there. I was a young guy, but I was there. And 87 was a carefree, fun-loving time. There wasn't really a lot of hostility in the world you know there wasn't wars going on none of this stuff it was all pretty uh easy going i think
1: yeah the extent of the war was really the cold war at the time with right. the, the u.s and russia and all that and we'll get into a little bit of that later
2: you didn't live in southeast asia you had it pretty good in 87
1: pretty good i mean and it was we heard the gordon gecko clip at the beginning from the movie wall street yeah. you know, there, there was the whole greed is good era wall street was exploding and uh it was a it, it was a very self centered era for America for sure, right. um, but it was prosperous. You know, there was there was money to be made back in those days, from what I remember. Of course, we were I was eleven and you were what thirteen? Yeah, about that around that. So 12, yeah, yeah, it was a it was a you know it was a good time. You know, in eighty seven we were discussing off Mike before the show. It was a very it was yeah it was fun memories going back and, and researching this year, but uh, a couple of stats uh for this average cost of a new house in 1987 was $92,000 average income was <laughs> $24,350 See,
2: and that doesn't seem like much at all to by today's comparison. That's the inflation and the cost of living and everything. And you know, it's it struck me as funny. And I know this isn't a political show, and I'm not going to (laughs) do a whole lot of political stuff. But '87, for as carefree as it was, if you look back in history from like a political kind of a standpoint, a historical standpoint. There's a lot of stuff going on behind the scenes in the government in 87 that set up a lot of the hard times for uh-huh. us today. A lot of shady stuff going on back in the 80s that nobody knew about until much later on when it came back to bite us all in the ass.
1: Yeah, everyone was busy having a good time back in those days. Yeah,
2: you know, why why look at that? You know, we're we're over here partying. It's 87. And the co- the get that co- Hand me that Aquanet. Let's party,
1: <laughs> Aquanet. <laughs> and the the cost of a Super Bowl ad was a pul- paltry six hundred thousand dollars. Wow. Also, in nineteen eighty seven, Sammy Hagar won in nineteen eighty seven. Yes, he did. The reason being, the speed limit was increased to sixty five miles per hour. So,
2: I mean, you got what are you going to do? I mean, you going to give this guy speeding tickets for the rest of his life? No. You know, when Sammy Hagar says, "I can't drive 55, you say let's raise the speed limit to 65 then so the head of the de-
1: <laughs> so the head of the department of transportation was obviously a sammy hagar obviously fan. <laughs> all right well we need we have a lot of music to get to and uh, this i'll go ahead and state this is going to be a two week thing it's going to be a two part episode yeah we're like, going to
2: have to there's just you know and i think it's fair because when we started doing these year in reviews you know we used to crunch them into one episode and i think every single year is worthy a two just because nine times out of ten, there's a whole lot of stuff going on in the year, and we want to cover it all and give you a good retrospective in retro of the year we're talking about.
1: Yeah, definitely. So we want to get on with... Um, start. We're going to do this in chronological order. January, the Beastie Boys became the first act to be censored by American Bandstand. Now, I tried to research this. I can't find out what it is that was so controversial that they had to be censored.
2: I don't know either, but I'm guessing... Based on the Beastie Boys in 87, it was probably their lyrics.
1: I guess so, but I can't remember anything super offensive. Although, you know, back in the day, things were right. taken much differently. Um,
2: Autographed pictures and classy hoes.
1: Or Mom threw away your best porno mag. Maybe yeah. that could have been it. I don't know. Um, MCA's
2: in the back because he's skeezing with a hoe. <laughs> wow.
1: <laughs> we're busting them
2: out tonight, huh? Well, I
1: A band that had been around for quite a while in 1987, Deep Purple, put out an album called House of Blue Light, and you picked a song off of this one, and we need to discuss this.
2: You know, and I said I just only heard this for the first time just recently as we were checking this out. When this album came out, Deep Purple, you know, you got to remember it's 87. These guys have been around forever at this point. Mm -hmm. But with this album, they're kind of going with the flow with, you know— keyboards in in rock bands are very popular at this time with you know the of course the explosion of bon jovi and everything else and you know these guys were already built in with one of the best keyboard players to ever you know tickle the keys i suppose john lord rest in peace recently passed away away. this album is a little weird for deep purple but there's this one track on there that you know and i didn't even get to listen to the whole thing i heard the itunes clip and i'm gonna go back and buy it because it's such a great tune but like i i called chris and said man you got to play this song it's really cool from what i could hear of it, i'd love to hear the rest of it and uh you already knew
1: what it was okay it cracks me up that you didn't know what the subject matter of this song was or, or what made mitzi to pre-famous
2: yeah. See, the thing was the only like thing that really stood out to me when I listened to it briefly was I've always wanted a girl with a name like Mitzi Dupree. What a cool line that is. You yeah. Know?
1: But uh, it is a cool name. Some of the other lyrics, and I'll play another other part of the lyrics here in a second. But part of the lyrics is: "I am high. I am Mitzi, the queen of ping of the ping pong. Where are you going, boy?" <laughs> she said, "I'm nowhere." She said, "I'm moving on." This song is about a woman who has a special talent. Ah. She can do amazing things with a ping pong and not with her arms or hands
2: right i get what i'm saying i think i get you here
1: okay so that makes
2: me like this song even more why don't you give the listeners a little taste of this this is mitzi dupree from 1987 deep purple off their album house of blue light I get it. Do
1: you think she hooked up with Forrest Gump?
2: Maybe, <laughs>
1: <laughs> Lieutenant Dane. I met this strange lady, Lieutenant Dane.
2: She could do amazing things with ping pong balls, Lieutenant Dane.
1: Run Forrest. <laughs> run away! <laughs> <laughs> All right. Mitch uh, Dupree. Another album released like that in uh, January '87: "The Return of Bruno" by Bruce Willis. Yeah,
2: Bruce Willis was a pretty big star back then, you know. It,
1: Not big enough for that album. <laughs>
2: No, Didn't you know, do it, too well. it seems like actors, you know, always try to like branch out into music, but it, yeah. it very Usually rarely doesn't, doesn't, work. doesn't work,
1: except for Don Johnson. His album was fantastic. Oh, yeah, <laughs> <laughs>
2: and another one of the biggest selling albums of '87. Don't forget Patrick Swayze, huh? Oh, god, yeah, I forgot yeah. about that one. That All mess right. was huge.
1: Well, one album that definitely was huge, as we played at the beginning, was uh, the Bon Jovi uh, Living on a Prayer, was the number one uh. One, number one biggest hit song worldwide that year
2: oh yeah no huge. doubt about it it was huge
1: that video was on every five minutes and um so now we're going to move into february man of war released fighting the world and that was really the only notable release i had in there other than a lot of pop stuff that the, the year heated up with rock stuff as it as it went on further
2: man of war had that song off there and i think it was sort of a a minor hit it was that uh uh what's the name of that song uh
1: Oh no, I'm drawing a blank now. Um, Don't go to me asking a Manowar question.
2: <laughs> I'm sorry. Blow your speakers. That's what it's called. You ever heard that? Blow your, blow War. your speakers. I thought you were going to say something. It's rock and roll. Yeah. Nope. They, no, they used to play that on the that radio was, once in a while. It's not a bad tune. Uh, blinded
1: by the loincloth. It's a,
2: yeah. It's a little bit different than what you're used to with them, but uh, Manowar is all right with me. But you know what? I hate Bon Jovi. <laughs> I hate Bon Jovi, and it's probably the roots of it probably goes back to 1987. Because that would have put me right about in the sixth grade. And we had a teacher, and the guy was a dick. You know, he <laughs> was just a jerk. And he was, like, really nice to the pretty girls, yeah, but just a dick to everybody else, well, you know, to the rest of us. But wouldn't you be if you were the us. teacher? No. I'd, I'd be hanging out with the cool kids that bring their KISS records to school <laughs> okay. in 1987. Yeah, not too many of those. But uh, this guy, like, he would take and he would split us in half. He would segregate us basically to what he thought were the good kids and the dumb kids. And, of course, I was in with my buddies in the dumb group. (laughs) So he said, okay, here's what we're going to do. We're going to allow you guys to name yourselves, name your own little groups that you're in. We're like, all right, cool, you know, we're thinking all this cool stuff. Well, the catch is is he's going to let the girls name their group. Mm -hmm. He's also going to let them name our group. So yeah. now they get to pick the names for both. So they are the Bon Jovies.
1: Okay. They, you know, that
2: talks tells you it's eighty seven, you know, this is huge. You know, right. Right? all the young girls are screaming their heads off for Bon Jovi. You know what they named us? What? Pee wee Hermans, <laughs> so maybe other than you know the, the blistering keyboard solos, but other than that, that's probably the root of my Bon Jovi hatred. Oh, that's, that's a true funny. story, isn't that awful?
1: That is awful.
2: I'm glad he didn't do that. With the girl said, We want to be the ace Frehleys. you know, like, yeah, oh, yeah, I hate that guy. Uh-huh.
1: <laughs> <laughs> uh, moving into March, March 9th, you two released the Joshua Tree. Duh. Now, definitely not a band we usually play on the show, um, but I will say. That that album was humongous, and I remember um, when I was a kid. I think it was around the year that came out. We were everywhere we drove. Somebody there was a mad crazy nerd going around with a spray paint can, spray painting U two on everything—stop signs, rocks, walls—and it was like you know you're in suburban in a suburban area when that's that's the graffiti is U2, you too. You got to catch and not the guy. Gang
2: symbols. Catch the guy, beat his ass and then make him go back and spray paint yeah, but, anthrax over the top of everything.
1: <laughs> <laughs> Joshua Tree would go on to sell over 14 million copies worldwide in 1987 alone. Jeez. And they also as a lot of people will remember they shot a uh, rooftop vi- music video for Where the Streets Have No Name in Los Angeles. That right. was a big video that year. Um in the US in March 13th, Brian Adams heat of the night became the first single to be re- released on cassette cassette singles became known as cassingles. do you remember singles i sure do remember they, they were little cardboard things and they they yeah. wouldn't protect your tape for shit
2: no they'd but, get all buffed up around the edges all scuffed and everything then the tape
1: would come loose and then you would need a pencil
2: that's right to tighten it back up you younger you people have, have no idea what we're talking spin about it with the other with the pencil on the other that's right and then um, i always like the singles because you could get them and every once in a while i remember uh there was a poison one i don't remember what the uh, single was yeah but the the b-side was like an unreleased song it was like living for the minute or something right right and it was like man that's a great or maybe it was face the hangman it was one of the two yeah but it was like a great song and it's like why didn't this make the album but that's what ca- made singles cool yeah you was could that get, you could the could unreleased get stuff. yeah,
1: yeah that's like the b-sides which you don't you know you don't get that anymore unless you yeah, i mean you can do it digitally now but it, right. you know it's different back then but so yeah because singles which cassettes gone off the market right. now
2: as if cassettes weren't bad enough then they're were as singles. Yeah,
1: and another a big event, this is back, you know, you're still in the wrestling thing now. I've, I'm mm-hmm. not really a wrestling fan now, but I, back when I was a wrestling fan, I remember watching WrestleMania 3 on March 29th at the Pontiac Silverdome in uh, Pontiac, Michigan, outside Detroit.
2: That's right. How couldn't you be a wrestling fan in 1987? It was a big deal.
1: Yeah, Hulk Hogan Andre the Giant. Yeah. It, it was I mean it was it was a true part of pop culture at that point.
2: Truly. You know, and the big deal with that was it was like said so the Pontiac Silverdome in Detroit and they set an indoor attendance record that I didn't even know this. That attendance record stood until 2010. Yeah.
1: Yeah, huge. You know? So there was a huge crowd people.
2: I'd love to get some, some attendance like that going at one of these crossfire wrestling shows I work at. That would be something.
1: You're almost Heck there.
2: Yeah. We're getting there, little by little. <laughs>
1: but, uh, yeah, the NBA All-Star Game in 2010 broke that record. I can't believe the NBA broke anything like that. Because, I mean, <laughs> does, it, does anyone watch basketball anymore? I don't know. I just, I don't. I don't give a shit about it anymore.
2: But people ask me, you know, do you watch basketball? I say, yeah, yeah. when well, the Bucks are doing good. So, no, not no, really. No, you don't watch <laughs> it at all.
1: <laughs> Same with me with the Atlanta Hawks. But... Um, uh march other releases gary moore um released wild frontier if you don't know gary moore is great um european guitar player played with the original skid row from the 60s that uh there was a lawsuit recently brought up about that really yeah i'd uh, always wondered about that there was a skid row back in the 60s right and then uh also played with thin lizzie for a while but did a lot of solo work worked with a lot of people actually tragically died of a heart attack just this past year um On the 19th of March, Ozzy Osbourne and Randy Rhodes tribute album came out. And uh, a lot of people remember from 87, uh, the Crazy Train video that got released from that album kind of reinvigorated the uh, Ozzy back catalog. Because I remember on Headbangers Ball, they would play the hell out of that video. And Ozzy had... Just the ridiculous. I was going to say, what was up with that guy's hair back he then? He looked like I think I've heard somebody. I think it was the guy from Raven on the uh, Metal on uh, Metal Evolution series talking about how Ozzy looked like Shelley Winters back then. I have to agree. <laughs> I think that's about that's about as spot on as it gets.
2: Well, and I remember too because when I was younger, I had an uncle that had a whole bunch of Hit Parader magazines, and around I'd say eighty five, eighty six, around in this time, kind of. Um, there was a lot of pictures in there with Ozzy Osbourne with his head shaved bald. Uh-huh. So I yeah, wonder I if he that. had long hair. I wonder if he shaved his head bald and then that's the result of it growing back. You know, uh, we're going to do the best we can with it for this it's video. Pretty sad, but I, gonna, we want you to. We, he let Sharon do his yeah. hair, and so she did it exactly the way she would. Oh God! Look at him; he's got Sharon hair hey, he in that like video. Sharon. That's is that scary? Thought? Thought. <laughs> yeah, it is. Thanks never, for giving me that. Never image. occurred to me till now, but yeah, he looks just like Sharon Osbourne in that. But video. that video
1: did serve a great <laughs> purpose, as in you know, back when I discovered that. That, that was my my introduction to Crazy Train was because uh, you know I was still I was about eleven years old when that video came out and yeah. I wasn't into rock and metal when the when the original crazy train came out so i was too young for it i was listening to michael jackson and shit yeah. so that that was uh what got me into the whole randy rhodes thing so it was a gateway so i appreciate that um
2: and what a killer live album probably one oh, of the amazing. best ever
1: we need to do a live album episode one we've we been talking about that um should. another great record that was released that year was anthrax is among the living album.
2: yes i've been listening to that cd all day long today oh really oh yeah and that whole uh, thing is killer
1: been trying to think of a song to play off of that one and it you know it's hard to pick one it was this was the third studio album the band released they re- released it on megaforce island Records certified gold um it was produced by eddie kramer a lot of people don't realize that huh, who you know famous for idea. zeppelin and kiss of right. course hendrix um it was hard to pick a song because you know there's i'm the law there's indians uh, you know there's a lot of good songs on nfl
2: here. is really good
1: a lot of people wonder about the cover of this album like there's there's some people that say that the guy the old man on the album is the the uh, reverend henry kane from the poltergeist movies And then there's also people that say he represents the Randall Flagg character that pops up in Stephen King novels all the time. Yeah. So I don't know that there's ever been any clarification on that. We'll so. have to get these guys on the Decibel Geek podcast next. Oh, sometime. I would so love to get Anthrax on our show.
2: Our luck, we'd forget to ask.
1: Probably. <laughs> <laughs> <So>. If <laughs> we get
2: Anthrax on the show, somebody remind us to ask. Oh, uh, well. About that. Would.
1: What'd you eat for breakfast? <laughs>
2: <laughs> <laughs> We're not one of those other podcasts. Yeah. We don't we do that. We want to
1: know other stuff. But um, <laughs> so yeah, so I decided to just go with the title track. So you know, a here's one. a little bit of that.
0: Thoughts, with Paul Stanley. There's nothing better than hearing a woman squeal. Want to be a member of the Decibel Geek Army? You slimy scumbag, get on your face and give me 25. Join us on our fan page
1: at facebook.com decibelgeek.
2: 8,000 mile One Lap of America rally,
0: the same dependable Yugo you rely on every day, beat 40 competitors, including
1: Honda, Nissan, Porsche. Aaron, did you get your jello pudding pops?
2: Huxtable Mania, running wild.
1: How could we talk about 87 and not talk about the Cosby Show?
2: Oh, man, this was huge.
1: <laughs> Thursday nights, everyone watched the Cosby Show, and then I think Cheers came on right after it. I liked Cheers better. Did you? Oh, yeah. Yeah, Cheers was funny. Um, it was funny, though. There was an interesting dynamic there between the two episodes. We were we were definitely going, God, this is going to sound too political, and this is probably going to get me in trouble. But we go from a show with successful, responsible black people. Right. Right. Followed by a show of worthless loser white people hanging around getting (laughs) drunk at a bar. bar. (laughs) Maybe intentional. But yeah, The Cosby Show was a a big TV show uh, that year. And then there was a lot of interesting, there was the big movies of the year. We had Three Men and a Baby. We had Fatal Attraction, Beverly Hills Cop 2, Good Morning Vietnam, Lethal Weapon, Wall Street, as we played earlier in the show. Dirty Dancing, nobody puts baby in a corner. (laughs) RoboCop.
2: I love that movie. Robo-Cop. RoboCop,
1: Moonstruck, which you heard a clip from at the beginning, and then um, Less Than Zero came out this year. And you know, you've got something else to discuss. Before on that. we go
2: too far into that, there's one movie on here that probably didn't make like the top ten of the best selling movies of that year, but it was one of my all time favorites. The, the first Predator movie. Oh yeah, I forgot about Predator. That was killer. RoboCop and Predator, man. That was I was all about that stuff. I think in RoboCop
1: is going to get remade. Yeah. Just like every other damn movie.
2: They should do a Robocop versus the Predator. They should do everybody versus the Predator at some point.
1: <laughs> Freddy, Jason, Michael yeah, Myers Batman. versus Predator. Yeah, Batman. All of them.
2: They did a Batman versus Predator comic book that must have came out probably, you know, back in the early 90s. And it was just killer. Reading. Really? Really a good read. And I always thought, man, this would make such a killer movie. Wow. But everything with them Predators, just, man, something about that. That first movie with Arnold Schwarzenegger and Jesse the Body is Oh, in yeah, he was great in that movie. Yeah, he was really good <laughs> in it. And just, you know, one of my all-time favorite movies. That first Predator is just killer.
1: Very cool. So, um, but less yeah, than zero. Less than zero. You, this is an interesting pick you made. Go ahead and explain this.
2: Well, and it's uh, it's off the less than zero soundtrack. Okay, movie. You know, it wasn't. Is it, was it Robert
1: Downey Jr. Right? I think or he so. He plays like yeah. a bad drug addict or something. Po- yeah. Poison did rock and roll all night for this soundtrack.
2: Poisoned is rock and roll all night Horrible on it. Um, Danzig is on there. <laughs> really? Um, let's see. Uh, the Bangles do a pretty cool cover of Hazy, Hazy Shade, Shade of Winter, of Winter. Yeah. but they rock it out. It's actually you, you're hearing me say it. The Bangles did a really cool song. This <laughs> on isn't their your. Phone. Soundtrack. My father is Simon and Garfunkel. Right, as the Bangles, and they're, <laughs> and they're not walking like Egyptians no more.
1: <laughs> you, know, you, you know your light rock when the Bangles rock up one of your songs.
2: Yeah, no kidding. No kidding. Uh, but my favorite song by far... Oh, and Aerosmith's on there, too. Really? Rockin' Pneumonia and the Boogie Woogie Blues.
1: I'll have to check that out. Yeah,
2: it's a, good, it's a really good soundtrack. A lot of different things on there, but a lot of good songs. My personal favorite out, off of that one, when I used to work on radio and people would call up and request Slayer, you know, and I was... The guy that would actually play the songs, get in big trouble for it, but huh. i but play the songs. When People call and request Slayer all the time. It's like, yeah, I'm sure they're going, this guy can't play Slayer. he will get killed if you play Slayer. But I had an ace in my sleeve. Uh-huh. It was the Less Than Zero tr- soundtrack, because as you're about to find out, Slayer does a pretty interesting cover on there. Crank this one up. It's in a de DeVita.
1: glad you're a fan of that song but apparently slayer themselves are not fans of that song no no i did some research on this and um rick rubin it was his his insistence on them doing cutting this song for this soundtrack wow he wanted them to do a cover of this it was obviously the original by iron butterfly and if you didn't know in a De Vita really means in the garden of eden right a lot of people don't know that yeah but um The band was not happy about the final product with uh, Jeff Hanneman deeming it a poor representation of of Slayer and uh, Kerry King eloquently labeling it a hunk of shit.
2: Well, you know, it's not really a good representation of Slayer. However, it's a pretty damn cool version of Inagata
1: Division. Well, and Rick Rubin... You know, there is a method to his madness. It was one of the, their first songs to really get any radio airplay, right? Because so, it's
2: the only Slayer song you can get away with playing on right. the radio. Yeah. <laughs> you are not
1: going to hear "God Hates Us All" on the pop station, right? So, but yeah, that's a, that's an interesting track. I had never heard it before until I put this, till we put this one together. So,
2: you know, play a little uh Salt of Heaven" or "Rain in Blood" or something like that on your local rock station. Probably not. Probably not. No.
1: So we're now into April, and um, hard to believe that the Simpsons cartoon first appeared. On a, as a series of shorts on the Tracy Ullman show in April of 1987.
2: Yeah, that's pretty cool it's how that all worked out, today. and it's still on today. You know, started out as just like a little comic strip within another show yeah. before it. You people must have just dug it so much that they said we got to give these guys their full own show.
1: And they looked different back then, too. Yeah. uh, The the artwork was a tad bit different. But um, The Cult also released an album called Electric that year. Now, you picked a song off of there, right?
2: Yeah, that's a great album, too. I really like that one. Uh, Before we get too far talking about TV, kind of the roots of um, reality TV kind of starts in 87 with two great shows that I always watched when I was a kid and loved it. Rescue 911. Oh, yeah, yeah. And Unsolved Mysteries. Back to the cult. Yeah. Uh, 1987. This one comes off Electric. This was a killer album through and through. It was hard to pick a song off it. But this one's one of my personal favorites. Uh, crank this one up. It's called Aphrodisiac Jacket. <laughs> You know, that's one thing I've always liked about the cult, the fact that, you know, its they've been around for a long, long time now, but they've never really changed their tune. They're they're always the cult. You know, there's no mistaking when you listen to them. Even today, the new stuff they're coming out with, it's still, without a doubt, the cult. You know, and this one here, a few years from now, they'd come out with Sonic Temple. Yeah, and, I love that record. You know, reach the top of the rock worlds, but... Uh, Pretty much every cult album is pretty good. Yeah, another you know, good, I recommend any one of them.
1: Another good tune on that album is Love Removal Machine. I've always yeah. liked that one, too. Another yeah.
2: song on there is it, uh, Peace Dog. That's got a killer riff yeah. to it, too. And Outlaw, that's pretty awesome. Memphis Hip Shake.
1: Yeah, both that cool. and Sonic Temple. If you want good cult stuff, get those two right. Yeah,
2: those would probably be the best representations of the band.
1: Yeah, I would agree. Um, also in uh, April, TNT released Tell No Tales, which is a pretty good record. Um one album probably one of the most memorable albums for me from 87 was the self-titled White album.
2: And See, I never really got into White Snake really, that much. Yeah.
1: This one of course, you know, the, you got to take it from my point of view from that era was I just I I dove headfirst into the overindulgent guitar shredding, just right. lot heavy guitar stuff, and I like melody, so this was, was perfect. Yeah, White Snake know. has got White. all that for sure. Well, it's funny because if you go back and listen to the older White Snake stuff, completely different, much more yeah. bl- much more blues oriented. This they right. were. This is when well, they got John Sykes into the group.
2: Isn't that kind of the story where they were you know big in Europe and they were this rock, blues rock band yes. kind of along the veins of Deep Purple, which yeah, when co- covered covered he them. was in Deep Purple, right? And then I. I I think if I if I've got my facts right, I think the story is is like when they were coming to America and they were ready to take over the states, uh-huh. the record company or whoever pretty much made Coverdale fire the entire band and hired a bunch of pretty boys. Was oh, that what know, happened? And then replaced the original band, and then that's what you got in the '80s was that version, the video MTV era yep. White Snake. Yeah, they uh, it was with the big hair and the spinning around and the dancing and all that good stuff. This
1: album was freaking hot girls huge. in the videos. But oh yeah, Tawny Katan, how could you? Man, I mean, she
2: was smoking back then. <sighs> yeah.
1: S- I, don't wanna, I don't know if I want to. I
2: don't know what I want to touch her nowadays or anything, but she was smoking back then.
1: Careful, she's on my Facebook friends. <laughs>
2: We love you. We would touch you anytime. Come on the show. <laughs> That'd be great if she listened to the show. That'd be cool if she would come on the show.
1: But yeah, people know she the make fun of us. Well, people know the big hits from the album. You know, Still of the Night, Here I Go Again, right. Is This Love, which was the power ballad. Which ugh, yeah, I like a lot of the record. But that's not one. Talk song about I like. Casio Overkill. Yeah, <laughs> way too much uh, keyboard on that. But the, you know, they had a good uh, lineup. They had Coverdale, John Sykes on guitar, Neil Murray on bass, Ainsley Dun- Duns- Ainsley Dunbar on drums um adrian Vandenberg did some guitar soloing on the album also Mm -hmm. vivian campbell so there was i mean there was a lot of personnel on here was, i guess it was more of a a, super it was a created in the studio album because the touring lineup wound up not being that because coverdale and sykes could not get along yeah but they created some pretty good tunes in the studio and uh, this was my pick off there this is bad boys off of the self-titled white snake album
2: like a a shredding white snake song yeah i like that That that's pretty cool oh well
1: sorry a little technical difficulty there in my (laughs) ouch my ear didn't mean to blow your ears out there but yeah that album went on to sell eight million copies
2: wow a
1: big big album and i had that one on cassette
2: all based on tawny Catane's ass yeah hey Uh, what a sweet ass it was
1: (laughs) go with what works
2: (laughs) (laughs) but um yeah so that's marketing right there
1: so we're gonna move into may now in may buy
2: this album and I grow my hair like David Coverdale, they will come dance on my Pinto. You have a Pinto? In 87, I might have. I don't
1: know. I don't know if, I don't know if you want to dance on a Pinto. It might explode. Yeah, no kidding.
2: Can you stand on it? And yeah. Blows up.
1: In May, Motley Crue releases Girls, Girls, Girls. Love that Huge album. Huge album. Heart released Bad Animals. Big, uh, big return to form for them. You know, definitely different than their 70s stuff. Ron right. Nevison came on board and gave them a hit. I Yeah, mean, turned yeah. them
2: into kind of pop icons yeah. that they remain to be today. They
1: made a lot of money off that
2: record. I like Heart's early stuff.
1: I, I like all of it. I mean, I, the, I mean, I like both eras. I think there's there's good in both. I mean, now I, I, obviously they were considered more cookie cutter, right. you know, in '87, but you know, they, it got them but a they lot of still, money.
2: But they still had the original formula well, of what they were, so they were kind of lending who we are to this kind of format.
1: And Ann Wilson just has an amazing voice. Yeah. So, but um, bring it,
2: on the keyboards. It's 1987.
1: And yeah. June our friends in Canada introduced a $1 coin nicknamed the Looney.
2: That's right.
1: This is uh, how deep we dug for research. For that's this right, show.
2: because we got we to throw a bone to our Canadian fans <laughs> every single time, you know, and there's all kinds of cool stuff going on in Canada in 87 as well, but yeah. hey, you know, you get your own dollar coin, the Looney. It's the loony. popular. Everybody knows about that. Send your Loonies to the Decibel Geek Podcast. Send
1: your Loonies to the Loonies. <laughs> uh june also in june ynt released contagious i remember that album that wasn't bad king diamond released abigail yeah sammy hagar who can now drive 65 uh released his self-titled album
2: that's right he can drive legally now
1: yeah keel released the self-titled keel album
2: you know and i went back and listened to that because i think i had that on album because for me i remember i had a like specific dilemma in like round 87 where, when I was younger, because it was different for me than you, I actually started listening to rock and stuff at probably way too young of an age. Yeah,
1: you got you beat you know? me to the punch on that.
2: My, when I was a little, little kid, my Aunt Pam, my Uncle Bruce, they'd babysit me or whatever, and to keep me quiet and out of shit, they'd just set me down in front of the stereo and put on the headphones on me and start throwing on their albums. So I listened to all this stuff growing up. Yeah. But at this point in time, like you said, cassettes are coming out now, and... You know, it's to the point now. You want the cassette because you want to be able to carry it with you. It's mm-hmm. it, it, A made, it made music portable. Yeah, is what it did. We didn't have iPods. We had Walkman. And before that, with an LP, it wasn't portable. Mm-hmm. You know, you could take it over to your friend's house and put it on their stereo, but you couldn't slap it in the the Walkman like saying walk around and, or tape deck or and whatever. Piracy began. Right. Exactly, because then you could dub your seat, your albums, your other cassettes, yep. and pass them around to friends. That was huge. All you have to do then. is put
1: Scotch tape over the little hole on the
2: top. That's right. See all the things some you of learn. you, some
1: of you listening right now, know exactly that. what I'm talking about. You remember that, <laughs> but then you get to the
2: point where, like, I'd been collecting the Kiss albums all these years, and I didn't want to screw up my collection, yeah, by getting cassettes because well, I got all these albums, yeah, you know. So it was a, it was a tough time for me, but eventually, you know, I kind of split it up half and half. Yeah. And I would just, you know, buy the album and dub it onto a cassette.
1: And 87 was yeah. also the year that you joined the army, right?
2: That's right, I joined the army, the suicidal army. Actually, I never back in 87, I didn't really listen to suicidal. I mean, this is something i discovered later on but 87 is a big year for thrash metal you know yeah. as we heard earlier with anthrax you know and there's some other great bands that are thrash metal pioneers mm-hmm. coming out in 1987. here's a band talking about the suicidal tendencies these guys are definitely thrash metal but they got a different element to them too they're kind of skate punk also oh, yeah but i'll let you guys check it out for yourself this one's one of my personal favorites off of join the army 1987 this is the war inside my head the album cover of that one
1: it's a crazy album it cover. is pretty cool
2: i always remember like <clears throat> suicidal tendencies was that band in the back of the metal edge magazine uh-huh. with like the craziest looking t-shirts
1: well and their name alone their name was like everyone that was our age at that time were like wow what a cool name yeah, I mean, yeah they were like a dangerous band you yeah
2: with well, a name like suicidal tendencies it's like if you brought that cd or, or well no not cd but cassette That's tape that. or album <laughs> home you know a good chance your parents would say like worry about you yeah and join, you know, join he's listening to the suicidal tendencies
1: join the army produced and engineered by les claypool yeah that's weird i just you Did don't, not know that
2: i did not know that either is it the same les claypool i, I mean, gotta think
1: it is i mean and here's something and this is me really being real geeky here guitar and vocals recorded at baby O studios baby O studios is the same studio that vinnie vincent invasion recorded their first album Oh yeah, hard didn't, to believe didn't those two albums song? came from the same. Didn't they have a song called, called Baby O? Oh, yeah. And I'm sure they wrote it that at that studio probably. Yeah,
2: speaking of killer guitar players, Rocky George, very underrated guitar very. player,
1: just shredding. What is shit. he up to now? I don't know. I Is he back in Suicidal now? I, don't, I
2: mean, Suicidal's back together. I know that.
1: I didn't know if he was still with them or not. I know not.
2: Robert Trujillo. I don't think. I no, think he's he doing the Metallica thing now, so he's pretty busy. Yeah. Um. As far as Suicidal Tendency goes, you know they've got a ton of great albums. They came out with one where they went back after Robert Trujillo had joined the band and they recut a lot of those original songs, like off them first couple albums. Yeah. It's called Still Psycho after all these years. Recommended listening if you want to get into Suicidal Tendency. I haven't a heard that one, one yet. Yeah, you got to check that out takes all them original versions and really makes them a lot cooler
1: very cool um another another album released uh let's say we're in june
2: yeah don't forget about your white lion
1: i was gonna yeah we were gonna talk about yeah. this a little bit white lion released pride and this is there's a couple things times i'm gonna mention this at 87 when we go back and listen to this stuff i listen to what i was into at age 11 12 right and now i and I th- I like to think I've matured as my taste or my taste your taste changes as you get older. Sure. Now there's still some of that stuff from back in that in those days that I still love and the stuff that I, I'm not being critical of the stuff cuz I still like it, but it's amazing how things age well or don't age well according to your perspective. Right. And White Lion's Pride album is one of those cases cuz like when that came out, I mean, Vito Brada, I mean, you may not dig, you know, When the Children Cry cuz it's a cheesy song. Right. But you get no one can deny how talented you know, Vito Br- Vito Brata was as a guitar player. Yeah,
2: he was a pretty killer guitar player.
1: And you know, we played uh, their cover of Radar Love from a, a different yeah. album later on. You know, that, they, that's they were good. Pr- talented proof band. right there how yeah, good they were. Talented band, but like then you listen to When the Children Cry or listen to Wait. Yeah. You know, or stuff like that, and like it's like that Little stuff. Little Fighter, yeah, Little Fighter. Those songs is, is in the now as they seem then. It's like they were definitely written for that period. Well, and I There's think nothing timeless about a lot
2: them. of it's got to do with you know. The cheesy keyboards. Well, from but there that wasn't time. really
1: too much keyboard on that stuff. Yeah, but it was, there was a lot of sanitized, you know, processed slick, production, you know, which we're going through again now with bands like right. Nickelback, Seether, Theory of a Dead Man. As much as I hate to compare those bands to some of these '80s bands,
2: production-wise, they're, they're, it's, yeah. we're
1: getting into the almost too perfect. To, it's polished. It it's doesn't have to be perfect. Rock and roll was never meant to be perfect.
2: No, rock and roll is meant to be dirty and mean and nasty, not it's All about a up and shiny and nice yeah
1: it's about emotion it's about right. aggression it's not about making it perfect which right. I mean there's an argument like if you like dream theater that's fine but I think a lot of like the mainstream rock we're getting that way again, as we were. This is '87. This is right when the tide started shifting, as we'll discuss about a, a sleazy LA band that came out later. We'll discuss later on. Oh yeah. But um, another album that came out that year by a band that was definitely not polished, and they had a good blues rock sound was Great White, which yeah, we've our talked good about Jack Russell. Yeah. Uh, too, it's too bad things are the way they are now, but
2: yeah, because if you go back to this album in 1987. <laughs> This is pretty killer stuff. I mean, the whole album's really good. And it's, it's 87, so they still got their share of love ballads and stuff on there. Yeah. But the thing with Great White is that, you know, even their, the songs that are considered, like, their, their ballads are still really blues-based and still, like, heavy in emotion. Yeah. You know, the way Jack Russell sings it, it's like, like song, for example, let's say, what's the, what's the ballad on that one?
1: Oh, Save Your Love. Save Your Love. That's the big bell.
2: But listen to the way that guy sings it. I mean, it's so so heavy with with the blues like a Zeppelin type song. And the way he sings it, I mean, you can tell this guy, is just putting everything he's got into that vocal, and it shows.
1: Yeah, they transcended the cheesiness of a lot of that stuff from back then. Right. So yeah, we're because talking. They, to, they still, I mean, they were able
2: to collect on the big hits and stuff back then. Mm-hmm. But I think Ray White did it their own way, and I will give them kudos for that. Yeah,
1: so we're talking about the Once Bitten album. This is before Twice Shy came out. Before the Once Bitten, Twice Shy really right. launched them into success. But they did get a little bit of attention with this next track. This is uh, a. Yeah, this is
2: one of my all-time is, favorite songs. You got to hear this live. I saw it them blow op- your mind
1: when I saw them live opening up for Kiss in '92. This was the song that really grabbed me. Yeah, and this is um, this is a song called "Rock Me," which you've probably heard. But here's a little taste of that.
0: Listen to the Decibel Geek Podcast on your iPhone, Android phone, BlackBerry, and WebOS phones with Stitcher. Stitcher's Smart Radio for your phone. Find it in your app store or at Stitcher.com. Stitcher Smart Radio, the smarter way to listen to radio.
1: Hi, this is Alf, and you're listening to the Decibel Geek Podcast.
2: Rock on, Willie! See the latest Nintendo newsletter?
0: Whoa, nice graphics. I'd like to get my hands on that game. You mean you haven't played it yet? We can play it on my Nintendo Entertainment System. It's The Legend of Zelda and it's really rad. Those whatever it was, chocolate. What you How's it go? do?
2: You son of a bitch! <laughs> you rickrolled me.
1: Yep. Damn it. Well, we're talking I can't about. you did that. We're talking about 1987. Of course, I rickrolled. You. Bullshit. That was the year of Rick Astley.
2: Don't ever rickroll me again. <laughs> I hate that shit.
1: Did you? I'm going to tell you something For that's going to give you a different perspective on that song. No. Do you know who Rick Astley man- Astley's manager was back then?
2: I absolutely know nothing about Rick Astley.
1: C.K. Lent, who wrote Kiss and Sell. Really? Yes.
2: Well, there you go. I now know one thing about Rick Astley other than I hate to be Rickrolled. Well,
1: if you don't know, <laughs> that song was never going to give you up. Yeah. It was a huge song in 1987, but it's probably more Still popular is. now than it used to be.
2: Yeah, that's one of them songs that, you know, like many of the polished poppy songs, you know, the, the Michael Jacksons, the Whitney Houston's, and all that, these big hits singles well just turn on your tv it's bound to come up in a commercial eventually
1: do you know his first eight singles re- uh, the, reached the top 10 in the uk and by retirement in 1993 he had sold uh, approximately 40 million records worldwide wow so there's lots of bad taste out there. there's a
2: lot of people buying a lot of bad albums in 87
1: yep and we're gonna wrap up things with uh, july and uh, a couple news stories from july a lot of people think that the first uh, joint concert with the U.S. and Soviet Union in Moscow was the one with Motley Crue and Gorky Park, and I think Skid Row played on that. Skid or no, Skid, I don't know if Skid Row did. Yes, Skid Row was on there. That it was, was Crue,
2: Skid Row. I think Whitesnake was on there, too. There was a, there? a
1: lot of American bands. Scorpions played it, too. Wasn't Ozzy on there? Yeah. Yeah. But that wasn't the first one. The first one was in 1987 on July 4th with... Uh, the Doobie Brothers, James Taylor, Santana, and Bonnie Wright. Not quite as well, hard-edged of a lineup.
2: Well, no wonder nobody ever thinks of that one. When you think of the first Moscow Peace Festival, you want to think of the one with all the good bands. Yeah, you
1: do. Um, <laughs> the and My my favorite album of the year was released in 1987 was by Guns N'
2: Roses. One of the greatest albums of all time.
1: Appetite for Destruction. Love
2: that album. I mean, there's not a bad song on it.
1: This this album came out in the face of all of the glam rock, which I like some of that stuff, right. but I, mentioned, I was mentioning how White Lion didn't hold up. This is something that I think 30, 40 years from now, this album will still hold up.
2: Oh, yeah. Our great-grandkids will still be listening to this stuff, I hope, for their sake.
1: It was huge. I mean, I, I'll never forget the first time I saw the Welcome to the Jungle video. It was like watching Men from Another Planet show up. It was really different. I mean, and I... I have to admit, when I saw it though I was like it was great, but I did I was I never expected that to reach you know, worldwide superstardom.
2: Yeah, the thing for me with Guns N' Roses was that, you know, I was a fan of a lot of bands that were already established at this time. And for me, you know, there's something to be said, you know, and it may be the same sort of kind of, I mean, not talent-wise, but as far as people, you know, average people embracing your favorite band, sometimes that sucks, you know, and that's kind of like the Nickelback thing. Maybe or it's because they're so popular and so accepted they're not special you know it's just another you know mass-produced thing yeah you know and Guns N' Roses kind of seemed like that at first but they sure weren't you know they these guys went against the grain in every way possible but yet they were still still so embraced you know that that album just went skyrocket for them yeah but it didn't go it wasn't overnight you know it took a little while for it to build up
1: it had initial slow
2: sales and by that time you know then all of a sudden it blows up and now everybody's wearing guns and roses t-shirts you know and this is the thing where a buddy of mine he turned me on to it and is like well this is cool you know i really like this you want to embrace it as your own yeah but then all of a sudden it becomes everybody else's you know and then you, you kind of turned me off to it at first But, you know, the music speaks for it. You can't hate Guns N' Roses' Mm -hmm. appetite for destruction, no matter how hard you try.
1: Best-selling debut album of all time. 18 million copies in the U.S. alone.
2: That stands to this day? Yep wow
1: yep it's still the biggest one well according to wikipedia it does so who knows but uh it was hard to choose a song off of here because i mean they're all great they're all great and which uh, you know a lot of them you've already heard on the radio this is one i think this one kicked off side two back when there was a side two on an album
2: on a cassette and an album yeah
1: and i'm glad you picked this song because this is actually the name of my wife although thank god she doesn't live a lifestyle like the one in this song (laughs) this is my michelle
2: you gotta love it man you gotta love it
1: down dirty great riff you know it's one of those
2: one of those things where you know last you know earlier in the year i guess everybody was so amped up for guns N' roses maybe getting back together at the the rock and roll hall of fame deal but you know listening to that it's maybe better that they don't get back together because it'll never ever be as good as that yeah
1: you think it would diminish the legacy possibly I, I just think don't it. think
2: it would be as good. You know, every time you every time you talk about Guns N' Roses the the conversation's going to go to Man But Appetite for Destruction was sure killer. Yeah. You know, no matter anything else about them, all the wishy-washy, yeah. you know, bullshit that they've done over the years, all the goofy stuff between Axel and the rest of the band. Well, Appetite for Destruction sure was a killer album. It
1: was, and you know, produced I think it was by Mike Mike Clink and yeah. uh Rumored to be in, produced by Paul Stanley initially, but Paul apparently met Looked them at, at him, an apartment right? and was so disgusted by how much of burnouts they were, right. That he wanted nothing to do with it. I'm he sure felt, he regrets that to this day. He felt
2: dirty looking, at him. but then again, you know, what if Paul Stanley would have produced it? It would have sounded
1: a lot different
2: at that time. You know, '87. You know, you would just say, hey, I know this guy. You could get him to
1: come in and play keyboards for you. Yeah. You know, and that would have ruined it. Axel, meet my friend Desmond Child. Right. No. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Keep those guys as far
2: away from each other as possible.
1: (laughs) Well, a good glam group. Not going to say glam, but kind of like like
2: a sleaze sleaze rock, rock rock kind of glam rock. It was Faster Pussycat. Kind of a little metal mixed in. You know, these guys kind of went all over the place. And personally, one of my all-time favorite bands. And, you know, again, 87 was a special year for some really good bands coming out with stuff, as we just talked about with Guns N' Roses. This one, well, it didn't sell quite as many as Appetite for Destruction. The next
1: one did better.
2: The next one did better, but this one was still really good, too. Talking about the debut of Faster Pussycat.
1: Tammy Down, Greg Steele, Brett Musk. Brent Muscat, Eric Stacy, and Mark Michaels on the drums. Um you know, as, as we heard a little bit about Faster Pussycat, Tammy Down was Ricky Rackman's roommate back in the day, and you know they were featured on the Decline of Western Civilization Part Two: of The Metal Years mm-hmm. with Ricky from the Cat House. They wrote a song called The Cat House, yeah, um, off this album. And there's also Bathroom Wall on the album, but you you picked an interesting song off of here. Which why'd you pick this one? I picked this song because it's my favorite off the album. It is.
2: Yeah, that's basically the only reason I picked it. I love all the songs on this album. This is one of them that I can stick in and listen to the whole the whole thing and just love it. You yeah. know, I just think it's killer. But I do that with any Faster Pussycat album because well, I just really like Faster Pussycat. So crank this one up. It's Smash Alley off their 87 debut. Now, hopefully we made a good impression on Ricky Rackman. Maybe he can pass on the word. Get us Tammy Down to come on the show. That'd be a fun interview. That would be I'm fun. I'm sure that guy's got some stories. I'm sure. And There's some great music over the years to talk about. Those guys are still around kicking. Still around. And, you know. I just it's, played it's,
1: Sturgis. Yeah, it's pretty cool. Very Love cool. that album. Well, God released an album in July of 87.
2: He sure did. Dio released Dream Evil. Dream Evil. That's a good album, too.
1: Very good album. And um, before, we're going to get one more song to play out on, but we want to make a couple of quick notes. Um. You know, this has been fun, and, you know, we're going to come back next week and we're going to do the rest of the year. We're about halfway right. through the year now. Um, born in 1987, mm-hmm. Kesha, Aaron Carter, and Snooki. And for that, I say, fuck you, 1987.
2: <laughs> <laughs> Indeed. Yeah. Didn't give us nothing good, did you? Not
1: really on that one. Jeez. But, uh, so yeah, but uh, Fraley's Comet released an album. You know, in 87,
2: that was like. That was probably the highlight of everything for me in 87 because, you know, back in those times, believe it or not, children, you know, in the in the land of cassettes, there was no Internet. You know, you didn't have quick, easy access to information. So, you know, I, being a younger kid, didn't really know what was going on with Kiss, didn't really realize that, you know, wasn't able to keep up with things that were going on. All I knew was Ace Frehley wasn't in the band no more. And it Mm -hmm. sucked, you know, Ace Frehley was my favorite, you know, and I always love Ace Frehley stuff. And, you know, it's like, well, where did the guy go? Where did he go? Why didn't he putting out nothing new? I remember being a kid, and I'd go into the music store, and every time I'd go into the Camelot music or whatever it was, I'd go down, and I'd flip through the A's, and I'd flip through the F's, and still nothing from Ace Fraley until one day. <laughs> there was an Ace Fraley album in there, and I couldn't believe it. And I flipped out, you know, and I like this was one of the moments as a kid where you actually do get down on your hands and knees in front of your parents and say, please you know i've got to have this please let me have please let me have it and luckily for me my parents were nice enough to pay me an allowance and i got it i was able to get it
1: what was your reaction to hearing it the first time
2: i thought it was great yeah i hated todd howarth oh really yeah i didn't like that i I didn't like that todd you know to me it's like if it's an ace fraley album yeah you know nobody else should be singing on it you know and i understand that ace fraley you know wasn't really, even at this point, that comfortable with his vocals, you know, I guess, and wanted to have that extra, that Paul Stanley-type person around in the band and everything, but you know what? He really didn't need it, and, you know, what the people wanted was Ace Frehley. They wanted another Ace Frehley solo album, Mm -hmm. you know, and for the most part... There's some great songs on here. I mean, Rock Soldiers was a, you know, I guess a minor hit. I wouldn't call it a huge hit or Into nothing. Into the Night you know? did okay. Into the Night was a good song. It, it had a cool video and everything for it. Um,
1: we Got Your Rock was a cool song. Yeah,
2: there's some good stuff on there. You know, I've got one that I'm going to play. We're going to play out the show with it. Yep. Um, it's a backtrack. you know. It's, it's probably not nothing you've ever maybe heard before if you're a KISS fan or an Ace Fraley fan. But uh, before we get into that, I guess we're going to wrap it up for yeah. this week. You know, this has been 1987 Part 1. Part you know, 1. We're way through the year. Um, we've got more stuff coming up. Don't forget, check us out, www.dbgeekshow.blogspot.com.
1: He's a pro. Shazam. He's got it down. I got it. I'm going to change the website name just to fuck him up.
2: <laughs> <laughs> and then I'm going to Rick Roll him. Okay. Uh.
1: So we're going to... Head out with uh, Stranger in a Strange Land. Stranger in a
2: Strange Land off of 1987's Fraley's Comet. This has been the Decibel Geek Podcast. We love you guys. We'll see you right back here next week for part two.
0: Out at dbgeekshow.blogspot.com, Facebook.com/slashdecibelgeek, and Twitter at Pod. Also available for free on iTunes and Stitcher Radio.